Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. Hello. Hello. Um, I would like to purchase one. I never want to watch this fucking show again, please. <laughs> Do you um, have any of those in stock? <laughs> Just one. I never want to watch this fucking show again. Now let me go get the manager. I'm afraid that we are currently out of stock in that, and you are required to watch every single Fear of the Walking Dead episode until the end of time. And it, on top it, of that, on top of that, you have to watch the second season of A World Beyond, too. You're going to... Mmm. Mmm. I don't like it. Nope. Tim, don't you not like it? You know... We generally mute ourselves when we're watching these episodes together, and occasionally we'll unmute ourselves and interject. But I didn't unmute myself every time I sat there and went, (sighs) (laughs) or every time I sat there and went, that's not how physics works. Yeah, well, yeah. That's not how light works. That's not how shockwaves work. That's not how heat works. I watched it. Actually, I watched a thing on that. I, I, I did some research about the effects of a, um, a nuclear blast. And it was, it was in an urban areas, but it, that was to give a perspective of how many people die instantly mm. from, from a nearly one kilometer wide ball of flame that is as hot as the sun. <laughs> and and then and then it just gets as bad from there. Hi folks, welcome to Zompocalypse Now, where this intrepid group of masochists <laughs> subject themselves on a regular basis to the Walking Dead universe. And tonight we watched the final two episodes in this season of Fear the Walking Dead. Now, I'm not going to say there weren't some good moments because there were a few good moments. However, (laughs) I had a good time tonight. I thought this was entertaining as shit. I did. I can't wait to counterpoint you or not. Maybe you'll convince me that the episode sucked and uh, it'll ruin my evening. Well, see, I think Dustin, <laughs> Dustin's coming out from the, you know, burn it to the ground level of things. Because and we'll get we'll get to that. I will. I I I could, but just you know, as a preview, it's just they're they're retreading such old ground with this new, you know, thing. You know, it just it makes me so angry. 
that it's like we've been here before. We've been, yes, it's in a nuclear submarine, but we've had this literally this exact same conversation before. Five or six times now. Five or six times. Well, you, you know, know what? You gotta play your greatest hits, right? When you know what happens to me tonight? What happened to me with Mad Men? I was sitting here just like I was watching Mad Men and enjoying it. And, you know, I don't remember. I was this not the last week in like the second to last season of Mad Men. And I was sitting there and I was watching Don Draper do something awful to someone. And I was like, gosh, I just hate watching him do this kind of stuff to people. And it was like then why are you watching this show, Dustin? If you don't like it anymore, if you are tired of seeing the same thing over and over and over and for the characters to be saying the same things over and over and over, then why are you watching it? It is a waste of your time and your psychic energy. And in the the the, the episode one of this, I did, and it happened. I'm so tired of hearing Morgan say the exact same thing over and over and over again. I'm so tired of Strand doing and saying the same things over and over and over again. I'm sick of it. And yeah, the conversation happened in a nuclear submarine tonight. And yeah, we got to watch a preteen psychopath explode. But I... I, you you guys might seriously have to convince me to come back to Fear the Walking Dead next next year. You just seriously <laughs> might. Is it coming back? I thought this was it. No. No. One more season? Then there's one more season of Walking Dead. Okay. Then there's one more season of World Beyond. Okay. And then there's the new anthology series that's supposed to be coming out. You can suck my balls on that. That's basically going to be like, you know, a little short. Maybe, like, I think they said, like, the longest arc they wanted to do was, like, three episodes with one character. and Or most of them are going to be, like, one episode, one-offs. That's not to mention all the Rick movies we've been promised for the last three years. There's supposed to be three of those. And then Fear the Walking Dead is supposed to shuffle on in perpetuity. It's going to be the new flagship show. (laughs) Genius, corporate people yelled all over the world. (sighs) Let's get to the recap. I guess. Everybody dies. The end. No, yeah, God <laughs> fucking, I wish. You know what? I was so like, I was, I was actually a little bit on board when they were like, when the new, when, when the bomb spoilers for a show that I now hate, the fucking missile gets launched. It's got ten warheads on it. Uh, when that happened, I was like, oh shit, they're about to kill the entire cast, except for Alicia, who's locked in a bunker. How was I supposed to know that they? I. I that they lived in a place where everywhere you turn around, a part of Texas, every time you turn around, it's like, hey, here's a bunker, a fully stocked bunker full of stuff that is gonna, you're gonna need to stay in here for months because of Fallout by the Who. Uh, so here's your bunker. There's five or six of them just floating around, probably 20 or 30. 
Bunker. This is actually a secret crossover with Teen Wolf. All oh, right, yes. Everybody Where every person in town bunker. had a basement bunker that was the size of a penthouse suite. Uh, Jenna you know, Elfman builds a fucking uh, Geiger counter out of a couple speaking spells and some tin cans. Okay, okay, all right, all right. So let's back up. Let's back up. <laughs> so we're on the sub, right? And uh, crazy cult leader, Tommy, Tommy, Timmy, Danny, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, Toby. Kirby. Jason X, Jason in space, uh, is, uh, is Timmy, uh, Timmy, is it Tim, no, Tom, Tommy. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Doyle, right? Terry, Teddy, oh, his name is Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. Okay. Loud. <laughs> so, um, him and Nick Stahl and, and, uh, Sue, her name is Sue now, are uh, all on the bridge of the submarine, getting everything ready to start launching some nuclears, and uh, and they're like, and and uh, Virginia is like, hey, uh, does everybody know that we're gonna die? And he's like, all the important people know. And uh, Nick Stahl's like, I know. Uh, they're like, awesome. I'm super excited about the whole dying thing. And uh, then it goes to the outside of the sub where Morgan and his crew, which in, includes Grace and, uh, and June and John Dory's dad, John Dory, and, <laughs> uh, are all, and, and Strand are, are all like getting to, uh, getting in. And uh, they like try and, you know, they've got a Geiger counter and it's like, what is it, anything over 20? Over 20,000. Uh, milli, right? Milli, yeah. right? Milli, milli, of, of of super secret radiation is going to be super secret radiating for you. No. Uh, Reds, but yeah, something doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean it's anything. 20, it's twenty rads, whatever. Whatever. Who cares? So uh, there's no problem. So they all go down to the thingy and they fight some zombies and they get to a to a door that is. Uh, blocked and it's super radiated on the other side. And Morgan's like, I have a real saver complex and everything I build falls to shit. And I just don't know uh, what my life is like anymore. What is my life? I'm going to go through the door and then I'm going to save the world. And Strand's like, hey, uh, how about we don't go on a suicide mission? What if we try and find another way around? And, uh, and so they do that, uh, and then they get to the place where they would have been if they had gone through the door, but it's locked and they can't get through. And so Morgan's like, you've wasted so much time and now all these people are going to die. And Strand's like, spoiler alert, I've got to, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, double crossing you. And he like pushes Morgan into some zombies and then runs back to the place where they were, I guess to go in and like stop the countdown or whatever. Uh, but of course, Morgan, when he gets there, uh, little, little Virginia is like, I'm going to shoot you because I'm crazy. And he tries to convince her not to. And about that time, Morgan shows back up because of course he does and pushes her out of the way. And so 
So Strand is only winged, and then they get in the room, and but it's too late. They've already uh, launched the missiles, and except they only launched one, right? Yeah, there were ten. Ten, ten missiles, uh, missiles, or no, twelve missiles with ten warheads on each, and so that was the plan to re- to release all of them, but they only released one before Morgan and Strand were able to get in there and stop it. And so uh, Teddy is all like, I won. I did it. I killed everybody. There's my missiles going up. And Nick Stahl's like, yeah, that's pretty sweet. And uh, Virginia's like, all right, let's go. And and so Morgan's like, get out of here. I've got to wallow in my self-defeat for a little while because everything I build falls apart. And then, uh, then he's like, hey, Strand, why'd you try and kill me? And Strand's all like, I don't know, it's just my nature because that's the kind of guy I've been written by for the last That's what I do. (laughs) It's been six years and I've had so much character growth and I know that I do this, but I keep doing it. So there you go. Uh, And that's the end of that first episode. And And it just, just made me so mad. Every little part of it just made me so mad. I really got tired of the whole strand trying to when I, it's it's an old theme that I think is a little bit tired that they that whenever there's something difficult that has to be done everyone argues about who fucking goes and does yes, it. Yes, exactly. They do that all the time too. And that really irritates me. Yeah. So Morgan can't build a community. He thinks for some reason he's got to lead these communities, but he is fucking shit at it and he keeps doing it over and over and over again making the worst mistakes possible and he keeps saying i'm gonna give up killing right before he has to murder the fuck out of someone all this all this because he spent like a couple of months living with a buddhist yeah he learned some tai chi (laughs) and you know and it just totally like it's it's made him into the he is the wishy-washiest, most self-important savior complex character on any TV show. It is bad. It is bad, and I hate it. I'm trying to think of a TV show that has a character like that. I Maybe any superhero it. movie. There's a lot of God complex. Anyways. Um yeah, there was there was some really good scenes though, well performed scenes that can't go unmentioned. Um, just in general, you know, in that episode. But I, like you, was annoyed by some things, and I'm kind of tired of the way um, Fear the Walking Dead kind of structures its story arcs because they're very repetitive, extremely repetitive. So what are these scenes that you that you feel like need to be mentioned? You mentioned that, that you should mention them and then you didn't mention them. Well, um well, I'm actually I'm trying to think of a scene from it. Everything with John Glover. Every time John Glover was on screen because he is so cheerfully chewing the scenery. Oh yeah. And being just a he's a Batman villain. <laughs> he is he is he is he a batman was. villain and he is leaning into it and he's having a great time every time carradine 
is on screen. That just sort of wry deadpan that he does. These are these are and these are <clears throat> these are not story beats. These are character beats. These are these are performances, and even. So the part of the problem is that Lenny James is a really, really fine actor. He is an incredibly talented actor. This is a guy who's been on stage. He's been in feature but, films. He's an amazing actor. But the material they keep giving him, the character of Morgan. So Lenny James is acting the hell out of all of this. Really and so, I mean, Coleman Domingo has some really heavy lifting to do in these two episodes. Oh yeah, and I think he does a really good. I think his performance is very good. I think his performance, and I think Morgan's performance is very good. It doesn't change the fact that I'm so tired of the way that they're having to oh, perform. No question. Yeah. No question. Um, yeah, so and- I think when you look at when you look at things like there's moments of tension at the beginning as they're moving into the submarine. The interesting thing is is how much time they spend not going through a door. Because they're like, we don't know what's on the other side of the door. And there's like, how many How many people are in this submarine? 150. Great. That's spiffy. I mean, it's, it's... And we get to get... And we are going to have to get to know all 150 of those people in the web series that's happening sometime this summer, starring Nick Stahl. Yes, I'm sure we will be inflicting that on Dustin as well. Um Fear but, the Swimming Dead. That's a good one. Ah, yes. So, I mean, there's there's moments where it's interesting, but then we get to the end of this episode, and the missile has been launched, and we've got a Batman villain and his twisted Robin who have just basically ended the world as far as our heroes are concerned. Because, folks, um, unlike the second episode of the show, I know a little bit about how nuclear weapons work. But we'll come back to that. Um, And then Morgan's like, just get out of here. It's like, no, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) You don't. Okay, I realize this is what happens with every Batman villain. They just send them off to Arkham Asylum so they can escape again. Unless it's the movies, in which case they all die, which means they can't come back from the sequel. But! Well, they had a whole episode left to act in, so they had to let it Right. And not only that, but I feel feel like, and I thought this in in the episode, that feels like a callback to uh, The Day After, which was a movie that was shot and set in Kansas City back Mm -hmm. in the 80s about a nuclear war. And uh, there's a scene where these two guys are the, – it's the, it's the two guys who work down at the nuclear thingy. They, they, they do what, what Nick Stahl and, uh, and, and Tommy did, uh, except legitimately. It's their job to, to, to launch the missiles if the missiles need to be launched. And so uh, in the movie, the, the missiles get launched, and these two guys, they, like, do their thing – and then they're sitting there, and, and uh, one of them says, oh, I can't believe we're at war. And the other one looks at him and says, we're not at war. War is over. And, and he gets up and 
leave, about to leave, and he's like, the other guy's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to go hang out with my family while I still have time to do that. I'm getting out of here. That's something that makes sense. Teddy is a murderer and a psychopath. And you, I mean, I don't care if the end of the world. But see, Tim, you can't have uh, Morgan save your complex be just totally destroyed if he doesn't like let the villain, like he's lost all hope in everything. And that's so he exactly let the when you kill the villain. villain. Yeah, that's, well, that's exactly I mean, when someone like Morgan should kill the villain. Well, I know I agree with you. I think that the whole thing was stupid. I'm just telling you what I what I felt when I was watching yeah. it. No, there's 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 just a lot going on in this episode that was very frustrating for me. Uh, not least of which, Strand's plan makes no sense. So Strand is very, very clever. He's a bright lad. From the very beginning of this show, when you and I first sat down to watch this show and Coleman Domingo came on screen and you and I sat there and went, that man with that voice, oh my God. Yeah, we're, this, this is a guy. This is the guy we, we want on this show. And honestly, I feel like for the most part, we were right. For the when most he part. Is, when, when he is written well, when Strand is written correctly, he is the perfect kind of reluctant antihero. Or, you know, because he, he is a protagonist. He is not a hero. Right. And when he's, and he's self-aware of that. He's said things like he said to Tim Harvey tonight <laughs> before. He said these things to Alicia and to other people that he is about to rip off or has just ripped off. Like, I'm, you know, and he has fought against that that feeling of, you know, I've got to get mine, too. Mm -hmm. And that is part of the problem I have with this. It's like, Aside from what he had no plan, what was his plan? Anyway, uh, you, you know, it, it's kill just, all the it's people. Just, Here was his plan: kill all the people, right? Kill no, all no. That's that's Timmy, Tommy, oh, to Toads, uh, Strand. Strand's the guy who betrayed Morgan to the zombies. Right. Okay. Because it was. Well, I don't understand. Like. Get on submarine, betray Morgan, figure this part out, and then profit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause I mean, think about it. They well, he explains it. He does. He does explain what he did, and it was. It was. It was. To yeah, but it, it, it's, an, it's an explanation that doesn't make any sense because because this is a clever character. Strand is too smart to know. He's too smart to not know that betraying Morgan gains him nothing and it doesn't improve his chances of survival. It decreases and his chances of survival. It is not what Strand should do in this situation if Strand is being Strand. Because seriously, what it would have... He was going to go back down to the door with the radiation. 
go through that door and save the day, but then die. Like, it makes no sense. And the they only reason these. they didn't have to go through those doors is because the zombies Morgan was fed to were officers, and he was able to get some cards off them. So, go ahead, Curtis, I'm sorry. They they structure these this these couple of episodes. I noticed that they really they really had to have things fall into place correctly for the episode to proceed the way it did. Right? That's you know, like you said, he finds all those badges, you know, and so they can get in the door that they were locked out of, you know, and and uh, and all of that shit that we hated that happened had to happen for that to happen and so on and so forth, you know? And, um, I mean, I respect that writing. I do where you can, you can tie things together that way. Um, but but I think they've fallen into the, into their own little, they've painted themselves into a corner as far as, uh, how they structure stories now, because, all this batshit crazy that makes no sense stuff has to happen before um, <laughs> before they can move the story, you know. Well, it's hand right. of the writer, and it's not subtle hand of the writer. And quite frankly, they did not need to go through that to get those keys, because if Strand had not decided to have his little betrayal party, they could have sat there and went, huh, we have a locked door that needs key cards. Let's backtrack, kill ourselves some officer zombies, and see if they have cards. But see, that that I wish I wish they could have had because that would have been the more uh, more telling conversation for me. Uh, instead of Morgan being like, "You betrayed us all again." You know, it, it, you wasted the time. If you hadn't wasted the time, and I could have gone through the door and you know, had my Jesus moment where I saved the world and then die, you know, we could have, we could have done it. I wish that we, Strand would have been like, and then you would have been dead. Like, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I just, I don't know. So in short, this episode was very frustrating. Very frustrating. But don't worry, folks, it gets better. Well, okay. Maybe it's better the word I'm looking for. <sighs> it's it, this is this is the bow tie episode. Um the the next episode is the bow tie. Ties it gives you some closure and it leaves you some questions. Right. You know? It's definitely as far uh, as an ending episode for a season, I was fairly satisfied with it. I'm glad that it wasn't really a cliffhanger. Yeah. There were a couple of things, you know. Yeah, you do wonder, but it's not, you're not hanging off a cliff, you know. And they did do the things that we like that they have done on the show before, which is the vignettes, yeah. the little mini stories mm-hmm. where we, we get to follow a character for a little while. And, you know, some of the stories came together and some of them didn't. I think we should just run through the stories real fast. Okay. okay. Dude, you're killing it tonight. Go. So Cardigan, remember, she's the lady they've been having stand in the back of scenes every once and have a line every once in a while, but has no name. 
Apparently, she is, she is the wife of the guy who helped Morgan after he was saved by Dakota. Right. And then she had the baby. Oh, and then everybody she, was like, right. Screw that baby. Grace's baby is the baby we like. Well, uh, jokes on all those people because uh, Cardigan uh, is having a flat tire and she hears the thing about the bomb and she's like, oh no, I've got to fix my flat tire even though I'm doing it super badly. And uh, she pulls the jack out from underneath the car uh, with her. She's on her tire so hard and I, I was trying to figure out what she was doing because she's trying to get the tire off the rim? No, no, it was just bound up on the lug nuts. Uh, it's because this is like she's yanking on. She basically yanks it so hard that she topples her car on herself and breaks her little leggy poo. And uh, so well, she went to the makeup department and they put on a sticker. <laughs> and... yeah. Curtis, talk about it. <laughs> well, it was just. Okay, I, it was apparently supposed to be her shin bone poking through her skin. And, um, well, the rest of her leg was just fine. It just looked like she had a sticker of a bone sticking out of her skin. <laughs> I mean, it worked. It was fine and everything, but not not The Walking Dead's finest hour. This no. Time. So uh, she's hurt her leg, and so she takes a couple of pieces of wood out of the back of her truck, and she gets her baby, and she puts the baby in the back. Yeah, everything she needed for a broken leg, just perfect. Duck tape, Except for sticks. a stick. I mean, she needed a big stick, like you know, a hobbling stick. Yeah. So, and she starts going, but she can't go very far because broken leg. And so she decides to talk. She decides to do a cargo. Have you seen cargo? No. What? Cargo is this amazing Australian zombie short. No dialogue. It starts, and it's also a Netflix movie starring Martin Freeman. Uh, but it's the short is amazing. It's this guy, he wakes up in a car accident, and his wife is a zombie next to him. And their baby is in the backseat uh, screaming. And the wife's trying to get to the baby. And so the husband grabs the wife and when he and pulls her away from the baby and when he does that she bites it and so he does uh what cardigan did only five years earlier he uh wraps the baby up puts you know binds his face uh puts the baby on his back and starts walking hoping he will find somebody to take his baby and of course he's been zombie bit but she's got a broken leg so what she does is she kills herself so she can become a zombie in three minutes three hours or three days just depending on who you're talking to <laughs> and uh, and so she apparently waits to reanimate and hopes that she will you know not roll onto her back and squish her little baby uh, and that her dog will lead her to people uh, which is what happens because at the very end of the episode, uh, her dog leads her to Grace and Morgan, who are arguing about, uh, or who are about to murder kill each other. They're about to murder suicide because they don't want to go through radiation poisoning, and they're the only ones still at the submarine. 
So uh, they're going to murder suicide and they're about to do it when uh, they hear the baby crying. And so they go out and they see the zombie cardigan and the dog and the baby. And they just so happen to be outside when the bomb goes off. And so instead of being immediately uh, just broken into pieces by the, sa- the breaking of the sound barrier and then uh, uh, completely incinerated by the blast, Morgan and Grace have time to go and hide under a truck, which <laughs> then protects them from all the said nuclear badness that happens when a nuclear bomb goes off like 40 miles away from you. What do you think they would be experiencing, Tim? So this is a recurring problem throughout this episode as soon as the bombs actually start falling because there's a whole lot of staring into the explosion. (laughs) Which, um, this is, the result of this is called blindness. Okay, your retinas go poof. Yeah. Folks, this is, this is, this is, this is, it. You, know, you don't stare into the sun because it will do damage to your eyes, and you don't stare directly into the nuclear explosion. Okay, now all fire bright as the sun. So what we don't know. So here, here's the things we don't know. We don't know what the megatonnage of these bombs are. We don't know how clean they are. We don't know how dirty they are. So they're in their Navy nuclear weapons, right? So I mean, we know they're they're competently made in theory, but we don't know what we don't know what the payload is. We just know they're nuclear weapons, right? Also, don't forget that uh, that they've been sitting unattended in a sub for nine years. Yeah. Let's say nine years. So we don't know what the actual f- radius of explosion fallout. And that's good that we don't know because it's really variable. Um, because the same explosion that Victor Strand and his new historian friend Tim stare Harvey. directly at. And um, don't even, like, they're, they're in a glass enclosed space and the windows don't even rattle. Right. So well, they don't even know. shatter, which they would shatter, because. But that's they, what I meant. They didn't even the windows didn't even rattle. I mean, the the right. So the funny thing is, of course, is that none of these nuclear bombs land on any of our heroes. They all land in the distance. Now, this is for the best, of course. You don't want to watch your main heroes get annihilated, unless Dakota, who turns to ash. <laughs> oh, it's so perfect. I've been calling her Virginia, haven't I? Yeah, well, that's uh, her mom. Yeah, yeah. That's her. That, that's her. It's your my sister. It's my mother. It's my sister. It's my mother. And then to answer, to answer your earlier question, Tim, uh, each sub nuclear submarine uh, packs a combined equivalent of about eight thousand kilotons of nuclear firepower. That's a uh, big. That's a lot. That's a lot. Now, how many missiles does that break down into? How does that break down by warhead? Um, 100 kilotons uh, of TNT is the equivalent of one warhead. So, so 80 of them. So yeah, these are these are fairly big booms. So eight missiles with uh, eight missiles with uh, ten warheads. That that would make sense. But they only got off one. Mm-hmm. 
which isn't nearly as bad. And apparently decided to blow them all up within like a couple, maybe 20, 30 miles of each other. Well, but here's the thing. That's one of the problems with this death cult is like, he could have spread those, those missiles out along the 13 colonies and are others war, you know, the warheads out along, you know, whatever. And it still probably wouldn't have killed that many people in this universe and in this world. Yeah, it would clean up a lot. That's true. But anyway. So you end up with um some some explosions that don't do what they should do, don't immediately kill everyone that it should be killing. Um, produce a ridiculous death for Dakota. Oh, I loved it. That's the only thing. That's the only thing about this episode. These episodes where I was like, "Yeah, that was pretty perfect." Um, let's go ahead and talk about Dakota or the that whole thing. Sure. So, um, so Tommy and Dakota, Sue, Virginia, whatever. Get to this Teddy and Sue. Whatever they get to a uh, a scenic outcropping to watch the bombs, and Teddy's all like, "Oh, I'm so happy that you're here with me, so that we can die together. Come and make out with me, teenage girl," because he is all over her in a super creepy way. Oh yeah, uh, and you know Dakota hasn't stopped crying since her mom died. Well, like, she's more of a lip quiverer. <laughs> right, but she's been, like, having, you know, sad emotions. Like, you know, I would have much rather, honestly, like, I would have much rather her performance be cold. Like, instead of showing all this emotion and, like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know who I'm supposed to be, I would have just rather her been like, yeah, fucking kill them. Kill everybody. Come here, I'll kill you. But, you know, once her mask was revealed, it was revealed that she was legitimately killing people. Uh, I would have liked that better than this whole, like, I don't know. Why do you want me to change? Um, that it's the Dexter doing. argument. Right. So anyway, uh, they're about to watch the world end. And it Teddy legitimately makes it seem like he is going to, they're going to stand there and watch the world end. Uh, but then June and John Dory's dad, John Dory, get there. And uh, and there's like a tense gun standoff. But but June's a trick shot now because she's got John Dory's hat and John Dory's guns. And so she is able to disarm June, uh, Dakota uh, really expertly. And uh, so... Friggin' hand shooters, man. Right. And nobody and nobody was like ringing. I mean, okay, a lot of people got shot in the hand, mm. and nobody was ringing their was doing one of these because, my God, that's got to hurt. Right. Well, you know, generally so, speaking, I think that there's probably a bullet hole in at least one of those hands that we should have seen. Now she shot the barrels. She she's good. She's good. She's she's got John Dory's hat and John Dory's guns and John Dory's dad and a portable welder. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's um, the other group. Oh, oh, oh! Right, 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 right. Um, so anyway, uh, about so so when John Dory's dad, John Dory, goes to pick up 
the guns off the ground that that June expertly shot out of everyone's hands, he notices a trap door, and he discovers that there is a trap door that that Teddy brought them here because he created a little safe squirrely hole for himself, and he was gonna nuclear bomb the world and then go into his squirrely hole, and of course then uh, Dakota is like what. That's not what we were gonna do. We were gonna die as ourselves. And uh, and Teddy's like, oops, I'm sorry. I was just, I thought maybe it might be more fun to take you down here and statutory rape you for a couple of years, and then like uh, take you and have you take off the rest of those nuclear missiles off, and then embalm you because that's what I do. I embalm women. We totally dropped that. That I'm a crazy serial killer. Uh, you know what the real test is as to whether he was like serious about staying about her sticking around, you know? Mm. Yeah. Are there, are there feminine hygiene products in the bunker? If he didn't think of that, that means he wasn't thinking of her. Well, not only that, but uh, they're never going to say anything about that ever, ever, ever. Uh, but yeah, I forget uh, people on TV don't have bodily functions, right? Nobody has to go to the bathroom. Nobody, nobody. Has I've been wondering when do these guys shit for what? Six years. <laughs> yeah we're still so, watching a show where everyone has inc- i mean just they all everybody just reeks everyone reeks their breath is foul but we don't talk about that stuff there was a nice bit where where he sort of explained how he was able to get people to follow him because one of the things that we don't get in this show because we have a lot of psychotic leaders. That's the Walking Dead, you know, trademark is everybody but our heroes is crazy. And even and, our heroes are crazy. And yeah, that's, uh, that too. But, you know, he explains how he gets people to follow him in his death cult. And you give him a great speech, you give him a great spin, and you make him believe you're willing to go along and die too. And there's a certain kind of logic to that. And it basically is the thing that serves as the rug that gets yanked out of Dakota. Now, Dakota is, she's a little sociopath, but she's also a teenager, which means she's stupid. (laughs) And, and it's no, so I mean, true. you know, I, I, I was a teenager myself once. It was a very oh. long time ago. We all know that. But the fact is, is that when you're a teenager, you're a teenager. It doesn't, you know, you, you can be the smartest teenager around and you're still stupid because you're a teenager. I and, have two of those. And they are you dumb know, as hell. They're dumb as hell. They can be very, very clever and bright. <laughs> but. So she's and and Dakota is massively screwed up. Yes. Even leaving aside the fact that she's, you know, willing to kill people, she's screwed up aside from that. I mean, that's just the you know, there's a there's a whole lot wrong with this girl. Um, but she's looking for someone to make her feel it's okay. And along comes Teddy and Teddy pulls his bit. And so to find out that everything he said was just one more manipulation, one more person lying to her, one more person trying to t- to tell her 
you know, what's wrong with her, what's right with her, something that just anything. And uh, I mean, I quite frankly appreciated the fact that she's like, you guys get in the, you guys get in the secret bunker and Teddy and I will just stand out here and die. (laughs) Yeah, I did like that. I did very much enjoy that. And then I really enjoyed when she was like, were you like, were you going to, were we going to die? Were you lying to me this whole time? And as soon as he starts laughing, she's like, okay. And just shoots him. And it's like, there, now you don't get it. You don't get to see your end either. And uh, then the bomb goes off and she is vaporized and it's delightful. It would be more delightful if she was not the only thing in that scene. Because the landscape around her is intact. And she is so far away from the bomb. (laughs) I got to go look at that again. I didn't even notice that. Like if the leaves on the trees are still there and everything. I I just. They wouldn't be. She wouldn't be either. She'd have been obliterated. Well, I mean, even if if for for that. But but the thing is is that the bomb is so far away. And yet we see bombs that are closer and they don't do that in other scenes true it's this, but it's it's the walking dead and distance you know we have we have cardigan show up with her baby at the submarine because texas is five miles wide right well i, I mean i can i can almost accept that because there was that sign that said coastal access three miles where she right by where her truck was broken down but the dog leads them directly there. No, well, well, dog smells stuff. She told she told the dog to find some people. Tim. Well, luckily the dog went in exactly the right direction because it's of a Puchex Machina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very Woo! nice, very nice. Dustin wins. <laughs> so anyway, we're not talking about that that vignette anymore. We're talking about Teddy and and Dakota. Uh, here is my. We're now question. vaporized. Right, vaporized. Here's my question. So when was he going to be like, oh, we're not going to watch the... I know I brought you here saying you're going to watch the bombs fall, but no, we're not doing that. We need to go down in this bunker. We need to do it super fast because as soon as the bombs fall, this place is going to be vaporized completely. We're not even going to get to watch like a little tiny bit of it. Because I think his plan would have fallen apart there anyway, whether June and John Dory's dad, John Dory, showed up. Yeah. Yep. You're right. It would have. Well, okay. If if she well, was not her own little psycho self, it might have worked because he felt it seemed to be that he felt like he could manipulate a teenager. Well, I don't know. Who knows? Doesn't care. Anyway, that's how that one ends. John, uh, John Dory's dad, John Dory, and June locked in a bunker uh so that's uh not vaporized by a nuclear weapon uh locked in a bunker so that's mm-hmm. two of our okay so strand rides his horse to a town uh, <laughs> someplace that's got uh spaghetti bowls that's what they're called the like huge sky skyways we have mm-hmm. them all over texas and we a lot of people call them spaghetti bowls so uh somewhere with one of those he goes to a random building. Why for? Nobody knows. I don't even think Strand knows. Uh, and then he goes in and he 
fights his way upstairs. Well, he wanted to get a good view. You think? Yeah, yeah. That's why he. That's why he was going upstairs because he went right to the window. That's why he uh, went up there because he wanted he wanted a good view so he could you know die blind. Yeah, I mean, I would have gone to you know maybe maybe there's a basement in this building. Yeah, but he but he finds himself. It's a hell of a hard time to get out of a basement in a building that's on top of you in pieces. That's true. But, but um. Uh, the thing is, he finds himself in um, someone's treasure trove, you know? Yes, all this art and culture and, and jazz music is playing. And yeah. then Tim Harvey walks into the screen and he's like, well, hello. I am uh, collecting art because it's the apocalypse and who else is going to do it? And then... Uh, and then they talk about the fact that the bomb is coming and they drink some bourbon together and for a serious minute I was like Strand's gonna fuck Tim Harvey and it might still happen even though Tim Harvey said he had a wife uh, which we all know isn't true so the and, character's name is Howard and I recognize the actor but I cannot remember what his name is and he doesn't really look like me he v- looks exactly like you except young and handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you, Dustin. And fuck you. <laughs> he was wearing, okay, for those of you out in audio land, I'll, I'll, one of you that doesn't know what Tim Harvey looks like and did not get that joke immediately, Tim Harvey looks like this character, except he doesn't have a full, he has a goatee and uh, a very dapper straight hairdo, uh, and it's gray silver gray it's you know so when this guy showed up glasses beard button-up shirt uh uh vest over it and and self-important and aggrandizing about art i was like that's the party wow wow you're an archetype tim self-important and aggrandizing about art you can't say it's not true. Wow. I've never noticed that about you, Tim Harvey. I am. I. But this character reminded me of you a little bit. I am feeling <laughs> very, very accused. Like if you were going to offer, <laughs> like if you could offer me a 125-year-old scotch or something, you would do it. Absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, no, oh, absolutely. My gosh. And if you knew all that information about the record you were playing, I know this for a fact, too, you would just not stop about it. We would <laughs> we would hear all the stuff about, you know, because we do that. That's one of the things you love to do is be like, and now I'm going to give a TED Talk about this situation we're in. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's wrong or bad. I'm just like, it was you. It was you. Be that as it may, this is, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about the whole Strand giving his speech here. The whole Strand's whole thing was really stupid uh, because he, the way that he tells his story about, I tried to, I was part of this group and it was two men and we were, uh, 
we were, you know, trying to figure out, like, we both wanted to, to save, but one of them, one of us just decided he couldn't give up his life or whatever. And then he said, then Tim Harvey's like, who, which, which man are you? And he's like, I'm the one who wanted to live. Uh, I was like, that everything he just said is accurate from, from Strand's point of view. But then when he tells him his name is Morgan Jones instead of Strand, Victor Strand, that is telling us that he does not believe those things are true. Like his whole motivation was a lie and even to himself. And that can be an interesting thing for a character to realize given time. Mm. But the way that it was presented in this episode in like 15 minutes did not work. Like there was a full episode where Buffy was Buffy and Faith switched bodies on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And that was the takeaway is that Faith realized she hated herself. 45 minutes. And we expect Strand to either realize this or want to admit it to a perfect, handsome stranger. In 12 minutes? Are we really supposed to believe that? I don't believe we should. It was a very writerly speech. Yes. It felt scripted. Right. Oh, and then, okay, so, and then after he tells, he hit he tells Tim Harvey that he was the one who wanted to save the world. They stand at the windows with their bourbon of, to watch the nuclear explosions. And when the explosion happens, like we said, it doesn't even rattle the windows in the building they're in. And so then Strand goes full on super villain <laughs> and makes this like, ha ha, I had you tricked. I, you, you thought you were with the nice guy, but I'm actually the meanie meanie guy. I was the one who betrayed them all. And, and you're like, Strand would not believe that about himself. Strand would not believe that he was the villain. And and so we're left, poor Tim Harvey standing there like, oh shit, who's in my art room? I, I, I'm going to argue that. I, Strand would view himself as the villain, but the villain that survives... I, I didn't. I didn't mind. But see the viewpoint. I minded the fact that there's more to this character than just survival. Right, and I agree with you. And I think also we have to remember the whole like the way you write a good villain is to make that write them like they think they're the hero of the story. And I really legitimately believe that Strand believes he's the hero of the story and the hero is going to fucking live. You know, everybody else is a, uh, is a background character in Strand's story. And sometimes, you know, the background characters get, you know, and if it had been a more of a situation where he realized that he was actually, like in this instance, he was secondary to Morgan's story. That would be different, but I don't think that that we hit that. I, don't I think that's I think that's that what they were trying to do with that first part. The 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 first speech where he introduces himself as Morgan. I think that's what they were trying to do. I just don't think they got there. But again, why would he tell him somebody that he thinks will be dead in minutes? 
the like this lie. Why would he lie like this? Why would he say his name is Morgan Jones? Well, I think it's, it's in his nature to do it. And that was that was supposed to be what we got out of that whole thing with him, with their relationship was him coming clean about who he about the evil shit that he truly is, is his redemption. Well, but I think that you when you give that first speech, it's because you are wishing you were someone else. You're looking at yourself and going, I'm a bad person. But for this total stranger who doesn't know me, who's got no history with me, and we're about to die, I want to let this person think I'm a good person. I think if they if they'd have left out the uh, if they if he'd have just told him his name, like just was honest about his name, we wouldn't have right. a problem with what happened. I think him saying he was Morgan is what was wrong with that. Well, I I will say uh, if he had used his real name, number one, or not gone to, like, given that little super, that weird supervillain speech at the end and said, my name's really Victor Strand. Ha, 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 ha. If he had just been like, yeah, I'm Morgan Jones, and I'm a good altruistic person, and we're going to, and he could have made almost the exact same speech. We're going to rebuild the world. It's going to be great. I'm Morgan Jones, and we're going to do it. Well, yeah, because as far as he's con- as far as he's aware, Morgan's very dead. Yes, and that's going to be one of those things. Is that I mean, nobody dies in this episode. That would be important. Our hero, I mean, Cardigan dies at the beginning, but she dies. She dies so that the baby can live. So right. That Morgan and Grace can have a baby to look after, so that they don't kill themselves. It was a gift <laughs> from Athena. Right. Oh, and then uh, there is even like a five second shot of the hotel where Alicia's been held up to show that it survived the the bomb too. So we know Alicia and the group she's with is okay. Yeah, Alicia does not appear in either of these episodes, by the way. She, is, me... she was just not there. Yeah. Didn't even check in with her. How is she locked in a damn bunker and then going to be starting the new world? Um, we come back to Dustin's uh, gap in the middle, then profit. <laughs> right. So we have funny if Teddy would have been like checking his pockets. Did I lock that door? <laughs> right. Are they going to be able to get out? I mean, and we find out he didn't. And Alicia has her own. Uh, I saw the nuclear blow up moment. No, we're, we don't even need to talk about Alicia. She's not important, apparently. So uh, Dwight and his wife are running away and they find a little cabin and it makes uh, Sherry, that's his wife's name, uh, get all emotional. She's like, I don't know why I I let my hubris get in the way of our being together. We could have been together this whole time, but I wanted to be a winged vigilante. And, uh, And Dwight's like, well, we've got five minutes. Let's go in this house and just enjoy the last five minutes of our life. But they can't do that because they find out that uh, that there's a group of uh, of Teddy's cultists have kicked this family out of their bunker because, again, bunkers all over Texas, which the ground is primarily granite here. So good luck. And. Uh, <laughs> So they end up 
breaking in. They ripped the doors off the cellar uh, to break in and get the two cultists out. And then they go in and they survive the, uh, the, the explosions. Now, there is a nice little bit where Sherry's like, I, ha- I had to go off and be vigilante lady and fight the villains, but the villains always win. And, and Dustin's like, uh, isn't that like the thesis fruit? statement <laughs> of yeah of this whole show? Like, it's like yes, and then and then of course Dwight's like, yeah, but you know what? Sometimes you just gotta fight the bad guys. And uh, one of the cultists is trying to get away, and Dwight shoots him in the leg. <laughs> and, he's, and the guy's like, "Put me out of my misery!" And Dwight's like, "No, I, I don't. I don't think so." I think I'm gonna um, I'm gonna let you stay out here because you look scared. <laughs> huh. Are you afraid to die? Tough shit, buddy. And, and Sherry walks up and she's like, "Enjoy the view, asshole." I was like, "That's my favorite line in these entire two episodes." Right. And they go. Then they go and they um, somehow manage to reattach two doors that were ripped off by a horse by a horse and by the way the horse is dead yeah, fuck that horse now. uh in fact all the horses are dead now um but they managed to you know ride out the nuclear explosion in, in this basement being protected by uh two wooden doors which are not remotely secured strong enough to survive the explosion of heat and air and debris but that's not. It's gonna get bad for them in there. It's gonna get bad for everybody. Um, we haven't. They even got have to... a bag of rice, Curtis. They're gonna be fine. Mm, we have not even discussed the words radiation yet, or um, you know. Well, I'm I'm afraid to talk about radiation because I'm not sure how bad it would be, and when it would get bad. So well, again, it could rice... not. Grace did say, like, it's going to be bad. You know, that was the whole reason they wanted to murder-suicide each other. Yeah. And, you know, our for, for most people, of course, obviously the biggest source reference for this sort of thing is, is Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And there were people who survived... Um, the explosions and and all the resultant firestorm and all those things and died very quickly of radiation poisoning. And there are folks who lived a long time. So it just really depends on how much exposure you got, how long you continued to have that exposure. You know, there's a lot of different factors. So the idea that none of these folks are going to survive exposure to the radiation I mean, it's it's not inconceivable, right? I mean, it's within the realm of possibility. But you still got what? It, it's all the things they have to survive to get to that point. Well, next next season is going to be about uh, everybody dealing with cancer and zombies, probably. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's we got. One story, two story, three story. Okay, then we have our folks in the murder van. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the most bonkers one. This is the one that is the... We had a teenage sociopath 
shoot a man in the head and then be vaporized by a nuclear weapon. And this story with Daniel and Dick Stahl and all the others is the most bonkers one. Because they're like trying to find a place to go. It's it's uh, Daniel and the Dreadlocks guy and Beardo Baldi from the Vigilante Squad, Nick Stahl, uh, Luciana, and uh, Charlie, right? Mm-hmm. Are all in the van and they're trying to find a place to go. And they, uh, the Beardy Baldi is like, I convinced Nick Stahl to, to let us, to tell us where the hotel where Alicia is. So we're all going to go there. And uh, Daniel is like, why would he give you that information? Because he is like a cult. He's like the main cultist. He's not going to give you that information. And Beardo Baldi's like, last time I listened, uh, no, Daniel's like, there's some coordinates that I found, and I think we need to go to those coordinates. Because they were written inside the, the ATV. And I think that that means something. And Beardo Baldi's like, last time we listened to you, a bunch of people died, and we almost lost our community uh, because you're crazy. And Daniel's like, ah, you're right. I am crazy. And uh, so they're like, okay, we're going to listen to Nick Stahl and we're going to go to the hotel. And so they're driving and uh, their brakes go out by magic. No, they were they were wrecked when they ran over a zombie. Oh, okay. And so... Uh, so There was a, actually a sound effect of a tink, so you'd know oh. something fell off the... Mm-hmm. So um, what's her name? Uh, Mo Collins' character? Her name's not Gina, but but we interviewed Mo Collins, and she said that when she when she auditioned for Fear the Walking Dead, they said they writ, wrote this character to be Gina in the the zombie apocalypse, Gina from Forty Year Old Virgin. No shit. Really? Seriously? That's <laughs> what? They, well, she, bless them for that. Uh, her name is her character's name is Sarah. Sarah, thank you. So Sarah's like, luckily I've got my uh, soldering iron and welding equipment. And so I'm going to go fix the brakes. And while they're fixing the brakes, somehow Daniel real- realizes that Beardo Baldi is actually a plant from the cultists. I don't know and how to that out. Here's the Phoenix from the Ashes thing. Oh, right. But then, so he kills him. And Nick, then, he, then Nick Stahl is trying to, like, jump out and get a gun and kill Daniel. And Charlie shoots him. And then then Nick Stahl confirms that yes, Beardo Baldi was converted. We we found you know he was one of our guys, and uh, and so Daniel's like, all right, we're going to the coordinates, and so they drive to the coordinates, and it's just a field, and they're like, what the hell's going on? What we're all stuck now in a field, and uh, then the helicopter shows up, and we and it's Althea's friend. Uh, helicopter pilot lady uh, coming to save these guys. I don't know that it's actually the helicopter lady because we don't actually see their face and we only hear like the radio message from Al. But it's so a, just it's a person. A female, it's a female pilot though. So, you know. Well, but it, and this of course is, is viewed as a rescue, but this is the Commonwealth folks. Right. So we know they're bad. 
so just a reminder here that these are the same, this is the same military organization that in the world beyond murders a college town. Right. So, you know, rescued by evil Nazis is, eh, you know. <laughs> Not great. Not the greatest. Beats a nuclear blast. By the way, um, you know what you don't want to be uh, nearby when there's a nuclear blast uh, going off nearby? In the air. Uh, in a thing which has something that has got really pretty fragile blades that are actually holding you up. Yeah. Can they climb? Can they, They'd have to climb. They'd have to climb as high as they could get in a short amount of time as possible. I, I'm sure that someone who is experienced with flying helicopters can tell us that it's entirely possible to outrace a nuclear blast. I mean, God knows we've seen helicopters outraced everything else in every movie, you know, for the last 50 years, but pretty sure that. Well, my, my, my friend Jeff is a former, former military helicopter pilot and he is not available to me at the moment. Well, you get that correct information from Jeff and you let us know what he says. Cause I'll bet, I'll bet sure he had dead. training for it. I'll bet he actually had training for that kind of thing. I'm sure there's some sort of training to try and outrace an explosion. Um, but I'm pretty sure they, you know, strictly speaking, I don't buy it. I'm pretty sure they're dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they actually, got all of our characters are dead. They're all dead guys. Every single main character should be dead from the shockwave, from being incinerated, from being cooked uh, by the heat. See, and, yeah, see, and that's the thing that irritated me most about this episode. Like, I was, you know, when th that bomb went off, when that when that missile went into the air, I was like, they're gonna, this is gonna happen. One or two things is gonna happen. Either it's gonna end up being a complete dud, and nothing's gonna happen, and that's that would be. A, I was actually kind of looking forward to that. I would think that would be really. Like have a have a happy hopeful moment, um, or they were gonna reboot real hard again, and like half the cast was gonna get killed. I, I would have really paid, honest. I would have paid real money to see those missiles come down and go boink. <laughs> <laughs> Thud. <laughs> that would have been like oh my gosh do you realize how amazing that would have been if here's teddy standing there and and dakota standing behind him and and they're waiting for the fall and they can see it coming down you can see the calm trail and it, you can see it hit and you can see an explosion mm -hmm. but nothing because can we all also remember that uh the codes to arm a nuclear weapon are not with the weapon. The codes to arm a nuclear weapon are with command back in Washington. So you can launch a nuclear weapon all you want. Nothing's going to happen if it's not armed. Well, it, it depends on whether or not, I mean, for all we know, and maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll find out in the miniseries detailing the death of the submarine crew a story we don't actually need by the way it's not necessary to the story but hey why not zombies on a submarine who can resist um and i love how i'm sorry i have to stop you there because i love how like there was that girl 
walker and she was wearing like a black flower top and it's like oh there's somebody we're gonna have to care about yeah there's gonna be some plot reason for her to be involved i'm sure it will be wonderful and make perfect sense um but no no it won't uh but i mean that would yes i would have that would have been amazing if we'd actually just had these like we see the explosion it's just a regular ordinary explosion it's like what happened we got to arm the bombs dipshit (laughs) but that's not what happened (sighs) it's mm. all right have we left anybody out is that everybody i can't think of anything we missed so we blew up Teddy in Dakota. Imagine the- that alternate universe where we have a hopeful ending to the season uh, because the bombs didn't go off and everybody's back in the community. And the last shot is, and you know, we have all these hopeful things happen and wonderful stuff and everybody's happy. And the last scene is Teddy and Dakota sitting in a room together deciding that since they were not able to end the world, they are going to destroy Morgan and his people and setting them up to be better villains than Virginia was ever. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been okay. I would have been all right with that, but we have to destroy the settlement because we cannot have, a settlement that lasts longer than a season on Fear of the Walking Dead. And you have to destroy it by fire. And if (laughs) if, nuclear weapons, yep, that qualifies as fire because the Walking Dead, the Fear of the Walking Dead universe requires settlements to be burnt to the ground. That is the law. That is the rule. I would have liked to have known where they sent all the people. Like, where the fuck could they possibly have sent all those people? Well, you know, the only people who actually went to the submarine are the folks who actually are main characters. No extraneous extra characters showed up to help at the submarine. Just our title characters. Just our folks who have names and dialogue. Everybody else at that town, fuck them. Right. The town, then aren't there like three close Virginia colonies that, that uh, what's his name? Strand was supposed to be in charge of. And then June had that hospital and also the vigilantes were floating around. Like none of those people, don't care, you know, who cares what happened to any of those people? Right. Well, you know, they're not important and uh, they're not we'll coming back for next season. A car to hide behind. They're all fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, it's a big dramatic thing, right? We've got nuclear missiles and we're going to lay waste to the landscape and we're going to wipe everything clean and next season will be all new and exciting except every single person is in fact suffering from radiation poisoning. The helicopter crashed because the shockwave from the nuclear explosion knocked it out of the sky. The baby is just, you know, not long for the world because it's a child exposed to vast amounts of nuclear radiation. You know, uh, Grace, Grace is already poisoned by nuclear radiation. I have news folks, the whole idea that somehow it all went into the baby. That's not how it works. 
I mean, she said it when the baby died, but it was just like, no, that's that's not how it works. So she still got radiation poisoning. She still got whatever cancer stuff she's dealing with. And now Morgan does too. Yay. They're going to drop that whole idea, that whole plot about radiation like a hot rock. It will not mention it again. They won't. They'll just be dealing with a very desolate land trying to get their shit together. It won't even be that desolate because they'll find a way to work around the fact that it should just be like rubble for miles around, considering the fact that Strand is looking out the window and that city is intact too. Yeah, but that was before the rest of the bombs started dropping at the very end, right? Yeah, it's there was well, like you're a- supposed to the 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 inference is is that that place is safe. Yeah, that they are going to be okay because it showed it showed it would have showed them die if they were not okay. But there's still lots and lots of radiation in the air, so good for like you know, good luck, folks. So now in a post-apocalyptic nuclear landscape, <laughs> uh, we have now moved into the Deathland series of novels. Those of you who aren't familiar with that, there's a guy named Axler, I think. It was a, one of those post-apocalyptic series where the nuclear wars happened and somehow humanity survives in the wastelands and they fight the mutants. So now we get mutant zombies and maybe we get some, I don't know. We already did radiation zombies. I, I don't know why they're doing this again. Because the radiation zombies looks cool. Yeah. Had, you want to do that makeup again? They had all those molds they made. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I mean, I just, I got nothing more to add on this. Yeah. I did have a, I did have a nice time with it. That's, you know, it was fine. For I'm me. still, I'm still, I'm still a little mad. I'm not going to lie. I'm still a little mad. I think I'll be, I think I'll be okay by the time Fear the Walking Dead starts up again. But I make no promises. Well, that's because you still got to go through the world beyond again, and that's just going to make us all really angry. (laughs) If they don't mention the nuclear winter that they had to go through a couple of years ago. Well, they didn't mention it the entire first season, so what do you think think the odds are? they're They're on a different part of the country. All those bombs fell in Texas. Right. It's it's a th- okay. Admittedly, we are attempting to apply reason and thought and logic to the Walking Dead universe. And if the f- past several years have taught us nothing, it's at that way lies madness. But I did mention that we are masochists. Mm. Put ourselves through this every episode for you, dear listener. We are the mad ones. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. we'll do it again, I am sure. All right, folks, if you would like to tell us what you thought about these episodes, if you really, really liked them or really, really hated them, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can leave us a comment on the various platforms uh, that you're listening to the show on. You can also leave us a rating. Ratings are good. Ratings and comments do help folks find the show, and that's fantastic. And we'll deal with things that maybe entertain us more I hope on our next episode as always we do appreciate you guys listening and of course 
Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, folks, as always, for listening. We hope you'll join us on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.